Hello, and welcome to the turbulent world of Middle East soccer, or Mid-East soccer podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. When a Russian-led military force intervened earlier this month, it did more than help Kazakh President Kasim Johar Tokayev restore and strengthen his grip on power, following days of protest and violent clashes with security forces. The intervention brought to the fore a brewing competition for spheres of influence in Eurasia between perceived Russian and Turkish worlds, whose boundaries are defined by civilization and or language rather than a nation-state's internationally recognized borders. It is a competition that also impacts China, whose troubled Turkic northwestern border of Xinjiang borders Kazakhstan. Although not incorporated in the Turkey-led Organization of Turkic States, or OTS, the group, which also includes Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, and Azerbaijan, recently signaled its affinity to China's Turkic Muslims. China's brutal crackdown on religious and ethnic expressions of Uyghur identity has sparked public dissent in Kazakhstan and Turkey and forced the two governments to perform a delicate balancing act to not always successfully avoid the People's Republic's wrath. Countering perceptions that the Russian-led intervention in Kazakhstan boosted Moscow's security primacy in Central Asia and weakened Turkish aspirations, widely respected Russia scholar Dmitry Trenin suggested that salvaging Mr. Tokayev was the best of President Vladimir Putin's bad options. In order to preserve stable relations with an important ally, partner, and neighbor, official Russia has often turned a blind eye to the rise of ethnic Kazakh nationalism and reports of de facto discrimination against ethnic Russians in the country. Tokayev is by no means Moscow's client, yet allowing him to be toppled would in Moscow's thinking allow the forces of ultranationalism to come to the fore, Mr. Trainian said. Kazakhstan and other Central Asian nations seeking to balance their relationships with Moscow and Beijing in the wake of the United States' abandonment of the region with the withdrawal of U.S. forces from Afghanistan, see Ankara as a potential hedge. Led by authoritarians who fear anti-government protests at home, Russia and Turkey had a common interest in beating back a popular revolt in Kazakhstan. As a result, standing aside as Russia stepped in may have best served Turkey's interests. Despite its close military ties with Kazakhstan, a Turkish intervention may have upset the delicate management of the Turkish-Russian relationship. The relationship is fraught with disputes, in which the two countries are often on opposite sides of the divide. While Turkish support for Mr. Tokayev may not have gone down well with Kazakh protesters, it is not likely to have put much of a dent in Turkish soft power in Central Asia that is built on linguistic and ethnic affinity, the popularity of Turkish music and cinematic productions, and investment in glitzy shopping malls. Turkey also benefits from being a player that has successfully challenged Russia in regional conflicts, such as the Caucasus, 
where it backed Azerbaijan in its 2020 war with Armenia, and further afar in Libya and Syria. In a rivalry for dominance of the Black Sea, Turkey has also backed Ukraine and forged close defense ties with the embattled country. Home to a large Crimean Tatar diaspora, Turkey has vocally supported the Turkey community on the Ukrainian peninsula that Russia annexed in 2014. Finally, Turkey has at times, albeit intermittently, taken China to task for its brutal crackdown on ethnic and religious expression of Turkic Muslim identity in Xinjiang. China sees the projection of the Uyghur ethnic, cultural, and religious identity as a mortal threat. Turkish assertiveness seemingly emboldened Central Asian members of the Organization of Turkic States, the formal Turkic equivalent of Mr. Putin's notion of a Russian world that defines its borders by the geography of Russian speakers and adherence to Russian culture rather than international law. Central Asian members of the organization, a brainchild of the now embattled former president of Kazakhstan, Nur Sultan Nazarbayev, joined Turkey at its recent summit in November in Istanbul in sending subtle and less subtle signals to both Russia and China, as well as Iran, countries with Turkic-speaking minorities. By deciding to restrict the, the association with the organization, the group attempted to keep the three countries at bay. Moreover, the Central Asians took no exception when Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan's far-right nationalist ally, Dehlet, Devlet Bahlavi, released a picture on Facebook at the time of the summit of him gifting the Turkish leader a map of the Turkish world that included chunks of Russia. The picture capped a year of the trumpeting of irredentist claims to Russian territory by nationalist Turkish media close to Mr. Erdogan. Similarly, the Central Asians participated in the summit, even though it opened on November 12, a politically sensitive date for China. Uyghurs in Xinjiang twice declared their short-lived independence on November 12, first in 1933 and again in 1944. Three weeks before the summit, Turkey joined 42 other mostly Western countries in a United Nations statement that condemned the Chinese crackdown in Xinjiang. Raising the stakes further, 19 Uyghur exiles have filed a criminal complaint with a Turkish prosecutor against Chinese officials, accusing them of committing genocide, torture, rape, and crimes against humanity. Turkey is home to some 50,000 Uyghurs, the largest community outside of China. Long a supporter of Uyghur religious and cultural aspirations, Turkey has been careful not to allow the group's plight to rupture its relations with Beijing. At the same time, it has not followed the example of the foreign ministers of Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Oman, and Bahrain, as well as the Secretary General of the Six Nation Gulf Cooperation Council, GCC, who on a visit to China this week, reportedly expressed support for Chinese policy in Xinjiang.
responding in October to assertions by China's deputy ambassador to the United Nations, Geng Shuang, that Turkey had illegally invaded northeastern Syria and was depriving Kurds of water. Turkish representative Feridun Sinirliolu thundered that his country would not be lectured by those who violate international human rights law and international and international humanitarian law. It was a war of words in which the kettle was calling the pot black. It's not human rights violated with abandon by all the region's players that are at stake. What is at stake is an international order based on legally defined nation states that civilizational leaders like Messieurs Putin and Erdogan seek to rejigger with the law of the jungle that allows them to shift state boundaries at will in geopolitical jockeying. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer at mideastsoccer.blogspot.com. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best and take care.